This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Predestination is over, but here on Posha Recaps, us travelers are just getting started. My name is Ariel. No, it's not Grace. Uh... I think she blipped. She should be back like any minute. Like, I mean, you know, in the time travel of it all, she'll be right back. But uh, in the meantime, thankfully, I'm not alone. I'm here with Rich. What's up, Rich? Hey, how are you, Ariel? Uh, do I wonder where Grace is. Is she like in the future? Is she in the past? I'm sure that she will tell us when she returns. But I hope she's enjoying a bunch of movies, wherever that may be. Yeah, definitely movies. That's a good call. I I almost feel like she would enjoy the past more. I guess that's easy to say because I don't know the future, but True. Uh, uh, or I know some versions of it from some of. It children. feels like it's trending downwards. I probably would try to go in the past, and just knowing Grace as well as I do, like she would appreciate circling back just to have more time to watch content, uh, a la the primer situation. You that's know what so I mean? Smart. Yeah, like. <laughs> Who's going to write the story about this really compelling main character that time travels just so they can read more books? When is that, <laughs> when is that coming out? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Uh, but yeah, so we're still, you know, we're still the travelers in name. There's just one less of us for this week. Uh, it's only for this week, to be clear. Um, but uh, we have a special announcement at the end of the pod. Everyone's asking, what are they doing next? They did three movies. First of all, if you were real time travel, you'd already know what we were doing. But uh, we'll finally be announcing that. So that's very exciting. Um, but we had our three movies to do as we were going through this uh, phase of transition. And I went and then Grace went and then it was you. So what was this movie that you selected, Rich? It was me. Um, yeah, notably, nobody has faith in us that we have a plan, Ariel. But we wouldn't have traveled <laughs> through time if we didn't have a plan. We have a plan, guys, ye of little faith. This movie is Predestination. It was a film from 2014. It's an adaptation of a sci-fi story by a guy named Robert Heinlein, who is a bit of um, one of the sci-fi pillars. He wrote back 
in the 50s alongside folks like Asimov. And he wrote a bunch of interesting time travel stories, but it's an adaptation of a story called All You Zombies. Uh, and it's a very interesting one at that. I picked it pointedly because I wanted to hear from you and Grace, unfortunately, who is not here to talk through it with us today. But nonetheless, um, but did send some of her thoughts. Spoiler alert. She did send some of her thoughts. A lot. I just got this communique from the future. I don't or I guess it could still be from the past. She didn't specify. She's so tricky. You know how like she likes to tell you. I think this is her cosmic joke. She's like, it's, I'm gonna send you my huge cosmic joke. joke. When is Grace Leader not joking? Right? <laughs> when when you who is who is this? I mean, genuinely, who is Grace Leader not joking? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who is Grace Leader not joking? <laughs> I don't know her. I don't know her. Um, um but yeah, this movie. Uh, I am shocked that I had never well, i'm not shocked that i had never seen this movie there are plenty of movies please do not get me started on my like list of shame of things that like people just assume that i have seen and I oh we see. all have one though uh but this is not even a movie that i had heard of i mm -hmm. think like some i'm thinking of like two particular people in my life who you know throughout conversations of this kind of movie or you know dark or whatever the show would have come up and i'm just kind of flabbergasted that this has just never been on my radar mm -hmm. um and i was you know selfishly i was so happy to be watching a movie that i had never seen like the first one i chose obviously and the second one that grace chose i had already seen um so this was this going into this i was like oh my god i don't know i don't know how to feel everyone else is, has gone through this in some ways it feels like it's a much older movie than it is like you look at 2014 and it feels like there's this old movie that Christian Bale was in uh, that was like super low budget, but people love it. And it was kind of violent. I'm looking it up right now. Um, it reminded me of that movie because and that mean, movie was like from like 2004. It, it's interesting because it's got pretty good ratings, right? I mean, it's like a 7.4 mm -hmm. on IMDb, but it wasn't a, a equilibrium. Is oh, the... I know that film. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Predestination wasn't like a staggering box office success. And again, I think that part of the reason it feels older is because it's an older story, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're playing in the 70s. It's got elements of dark in terms of being a weird period piece. But I certainly picked it because it felt like an esoteric time travel movie that when I talked to folks about, I knew that neither of you had seen it. And I was so pointedly interested to get both of your takes regarding mm -hmm. it. Um, when we left our last podcast i left with the dangling thought of like i'm not sure how i feel about it i think that parts of it are so innovative and i think mm -hmm. that with the sarah snook right there and and the succession heat of this last most recent year 2023 mm -hmm. uh that's when we have come back to record uh that it felt very pointed and obviously we're dealing with some issues that are very close to home uh to some of us in terms of the dynamics that we're exploring and i think it shares a ton of dna with dark right um so it felt like a very obvious pick there are time travel movies other than tenet that i really love and would have picked before <laughs> this but um this one felt too obvious for the three of us to talk about yeah first of all i just have to this this tenant bit is so good at this point like and it's not even a bit but it's kind of become a bit because it's not a bit in the sense of like you just really want to talk about it and see, <laughs> it's kind of like become a bit because anytime you mention it it's just it's hilarious. And two, I just think about myself 
trying to talk through that movie and <laughs> I get a I mean, I, I would love and welcome the challenge for sure, but uh, I definitely I definitely get a headache thinking about it. Um, but yeah, this movie based on this short story called All You Zombies, which is an amazing title. And I kind of am the my biggest my headline right now, uh, at least somewhat outside of the movie, is that this story is told within a short story apparently it's not a very mm -hmm. long one and mm -hmm. i tried to you know get my hands on it but it was uh, with the time allotted it wasn't easy um because I, I would be like so curious to just physically look at how long it is because for the amount of of detail and complexity that the that the story i mean in some ways i guess in some ways is not that complicated uh lives in and deals with it's insane that it could, it seems insane to me that it could just be contained within a short story. Yeah, I, that's part of what I'm so taken by. You know, I think just structurally, the way the film approaches it, you can feel these like stories within stories dynamic kind of happening. And it, it just, uh, that especially, you know, the kind of first scene or, or the second scene, I should say, as we come into the bar and we end up meeting the Ethan Hawke and going through this whole kind of first conversation and the story of the unmarried mother, the information is transferred so quickly and so kind of effectively um, through the use of the mind montage and and the kind of like telling of it all the having like story time and, and sarah snook like just narrating this tale of their life it i have the same takeaway i think it's a really effective film in terms of how much it communicates in such a short runtime and that mirrors the short story in a sense um like to the joking of the tenant of it all like when i looked back at the runtime of predestination i was really taken by kind of how quick it is it mm -hmm. felt longer to me uh until i i looked back towards it yeah no absolutely and i think um yeah i mean you already mentioned you mentioned sarah snook it's ethan hawk uh as well and um this i i'm i was trying to remember where i know noah taylor from who plays like arguably the only other main character yeah it's very that, mr robertson um Definitely something, but you know those Brits—they're always popping up. Oh, Game of Thrones! There you go. That's where I know from. Oh, uh, me, it was the Life Aquatic. Like that was what he uh, <laughs> like lingers with. I love Steve Zissou. You know. Uh, yeah. Very. Now I'm getting all the emotion from all the horrible things he did in, in Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but yeah, this. Oh God, this movie. I I am so happy that I watched it, and I think it's so clear like in some ways everything that happens is telegraphed but also i'm watching it and i'm like no way no way like is this actually about to be the, what i think it's gonna be um i i mean uh okay i guess i can try to somewhat summarize it uh it's it's based on the short story like i said i'll use zombies I think um, basically it's this, we meet this agent, right? Played by Ethan Hawke. And he is uh, an agent of time, uh, some sort of like time, time traveling CIA, if you will. And he's trying to stop this mass murderer uh, bomber person, the fizzle bomber, which I agree. I will just say, I agree with one of the characters who says in this movie, like, I don't like that the fizzle bomber is called the fizzle bomber because it kind of diminishes the... 
the it's effect. So it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. If like if the if they were called like the Twinkle Bomber or just like mm-hmm. something so stupid like that. Um and then he so he's like on this mission we're not exactly sure we see something happen in the beginning there's this mysterious figure who seems to be the the fizzle bomber he meets uh sarah snook's character at this bar that he's working at then he sarah snook's character tells him the life story that they have lived in chronological order. And this is to your point earlier, this is when I started to feel like, wait, hold on. Why is this important to this movie at all? Like the incredible, it feels like a story of it all. Like it feels like there's a a story within the story and I'm paying attention to it and I'm interested, but also I'm trying to not lose like the thread of the thing of the like inciting incident from before. And then, uh, you know, you find out that that this that like Sarah Snook is playing this person who identifies as a man, uh, but lived for a long time as a woman and uh, was trying to to train for this space program. <laughs> I will say my one disappoint one of my disappointments is that the space program never went anywhere. Like I was really interested in like them going to space at some point i thought that that was kind of gonna lead into the time travel in some way or maybe like the origin of how time travel is discovered but alas um and then uh you know uh, ethan hawk's character takes sarah snook's character uh at the bar reveals that he's a time traveler takes him back to the moment where uh sarah snook when she was uh identifying as a female met this person who probably is the fizzle bomber and this is when it like starts to come back to the quote-unquote main plot uh so now uh the the male sarah snook character is going to have an opportunity to kill this fizzle bomber and like oh my god it's gonna happen here we go we're gonna meet who this person is and then the meet cute between Sarah Snook uh, uh, playing and the Sarah Snook play the male happens and you realize it's this is it that it's the two of them and I'm like oh no this this is I have a in the words of another big uh, IP machine that is currently churning out some content I've got a bad feeling about this <laughs> um, <laughs> this cannot end well um, and then uh, we get. Ethan Hawke returning, you know, trying to figure out uh, back to his like main plot of trying to find the fizzle bomber. Then he, you know, takes, goes to meet the, the Sarah Snook as a male character and take him out of the timeline in the way, in, in the way that explains how that character left uh sarah snook's life when sarah snook was telling their story at the onset of the movie uh, i mean at the bar and then basically it's revealed that uh what i did see coming was that ethan hawk's character was probably in some way going to be the the bomber like i think that was telegraphed mm-hmm. early on there was like a this the person bartender this is the fist this <laughs> the fizzle bomber this person is like walking away from 
there's this explosion in the beginning where Ethan Hawke's face gets very burned. And I guess this is important to mention. And that's explained that like kind of like Adam-esque, right? From Dark, mm -hmm. that like yeah. all this traveling and all this uh, all this time travel shenanigans has done, has caused his face to disfigure. And then like literally burned alive, essentially, but survived. And then they have to like reconstruct his face. Um, so the idea that like, we didn't see, we're like losing track of what he actually looks like. Wasn't I wasn't clocking, but, um, it's all from that first scene, right? As he tries to stop the bomb and it burns mm -hmm. their face off. Yeah, right. That would get, wild. Like, like, let me put this bomb into like mm -hmm. a pocket universe. Yeah. <laughs> I can't close it fast enough. So I'm on fire. Uh, that was wild. And then, so like, I did see coming that like Ethan Hawke's character would perhaps be the, uh, the fizzle Unabomber <laughs> reveals in the end. But the idea that, that, uh, they're all the same character in different versions and different times across their life is wild. So we get the scene where Ethan Hawke confronts himself, his older self, and that's when we are that's when it's confirmed that like you know old ethan hawk is uh talking to young ethan hawk and they're like okay you're you're the unabomber or the fizzle bomber excuse me and i, I created you this is probably my favorite line in the movie he was like it's para it's a paradox but it can't be paradoctored <laughs> mm -hmm. it's so good right fizzle bomber hawk i mean we're you know we're dealing it with the same person and it's john jane the bartender and the fizzle bomber right and fizzle bomber ethan hawk is so unhinged and like incredible he had so much fun filming those scenes he had a lot of fun yeah like full like uh you, you know picture like i don't even know if he had one but full like living in the basement beer belly like cheetos dust everywhere but like in a yeah. laundromat uh oh, yeah and then talking to young Ethan Hawke, who's or younger at least, trying to like understand how this is all this is all related. And like the thing, the thing that's the giveaway is then you see that like Ethan Hawke has some of these same, well, has actually literally the same scars that Sarah Snook's character has. Uh, and then that's when it kind of all comes together. And it's it's such a wild wild experience um i will take i will take this moment to read uh our our uh, missive from the future hold on i have it here one second tales from grace i have them here okay here we go uh and i quote this is from grace here are my predestination thoughts it's a very good film and one I enjoyed very much. However, it definitely feels of a time in terms of transgender represent representation in the film. The movie conflates being intersex with being trans and the entire reason the character transitions or is trans slash intersex is for a plot twist, which feels not great. Add on top, you have a cis woman playing them and it's all just a little bit dated in some regards. So while I liked it, it's one that is complicated for me because of the things I like. Because, excuse me, because the things I like are only possible due to the problems I mentioned above. Mm -hmm. End quote. I, I think it's it's all so fascinating to consider that that last point is is true not to say any of the rest of it isn't true but that last point is very important because it's all this explanation of how it's possible is what allows basically this paradox this incredibly complicated paradox to even exist 
Yep. I mean, um, what struck me about it when I when I talk about like my concerns about it being potentially problematic, what really struck me is, you know, we have this character, Jane, who is obviously born intersex. And then this revelation after they give birth to themselves, uh, like eat your shirt, eat your fox hat, Elizabeth and Charlotte. Right. Um, <laughs> eat your heart it, out. Yeah. <laughs> for real. So, so, you know, as Jane is going to give birth to baby Jane herself. The doctors, she's going to come out of the surgery and the doctors are going to explain, hey, you've never had this condition properly explained. Like it's never been made clear to you before now that you are intersex and we've severely damaged your female reproductive organs. And um, and like it's almost seemingly a bit against her will at that point uh it's certainly not of her own agency that we go through this kind of gender reassignment that occurs right Mm -hmm. and they're kind of explaining to her you do have like functioning like male organs and we can like transition you into a male you can live a super happy healthy full wholesome life and this can be behind you and so that to me is like look that's the critical hinge on which the entire narrative like moves right and and it's problematic especially because jane does not have agency here this is not a like conscious choice or a choice that she is looking to opt into it's kind of foisted upon her and that feels the most egregious of all of it Mm -hmm. to me right but then we get to the way that it you know it just relates to dark and again the way that um it, it sets the entire plot line up and it is fascinating because i think that you have two incredible performers and sarah snook and ethan hawk and they're like they get to banter a lot with each other that scene of them sitting in the bar in the diner i mean there's so much going on where like the song is playing on the jukebox i am my own grandpa the name of the place is pops right yeah. the kind of like contentious back and forth aggression of this of now sarah snook playing john after she has transitioned to a male versus this bartender who did this all already and has sat on the other side of that bar and knows yeah. this is all like a setup to create the entire paradox it's just so fascinating right and it's so rooted in the bootstrap paradox which we obviously love to talk about there's a point even where like roberts is talking to them of like you're the only one that can do this you exist outside of time you have no ties you have no family no family yeah that no family line it rings so loudly after the fact yeah it, it just it really resonates in a powerful way. And there's even a bunch of conjecture. There's small bits about the kind of time travel agency. Like we get to go into it. We see the kind of face off reconstruction for Ethan Hawke and the bartender and some of the technology. The violin cases are very fun. That felt like the apparat aerial. Uh, but the, the mm-hmm. one point there's like a, there's a, a statement that there are. 12 of these agents and i know there's a lot of speculation of like are there actually 12 agents or are these 12 Mm -hmm. agents all just john and jane and the bartender at like different periods of time in their life like deployed in different areas so there was a lot to wrap your head around but this like fundamental issue um that i was very interested in talking about and then hearing from grace which i'm really glad to get that feedback from her is certainly about this kind of gender reassignment surgery and the way that it it acts as the fulcrum on which the entire plot kind of pivots and hinges. This point that you, that you're making is I think the important one of like, 
sometimes and this is like in real life sometimes doctors do these these surgeries mm-hmm. on on intersex babies on on children to make their body fit some version of this binary and sometimes because they have the the parents permission they just kind of make a decision and it could be problematic later on when the person you know the their gender gender identity doesn't match with with uh with with their assigned sex and it's just and some people find out later on in life and they didn't even know and it's like incredibly it's like now starting to become more talked about in this age obviously of just like everything is is out in the open um and people are like willing to have have these conversations but it's 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 a very real thing that that people have to do with so i guess in a way i i um lowercase a appreciate the film dealing with this thing and and the i guess ultimately the short story because it is i guess it's its own this is kind of uh this is kind of this is a wild random thought that i'm having now but it's almost like the the way that they're the same person and the explanation granted is like its own paradox like one can exist without the other and like the Mm -hmm. explanation is uh problematic perhaps in a sense or at least like complicated at best but also like it's the only thing that allows the thing. So it's like not to say that that's okay, but it's 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 like a different kind of paradox. Uh, just like, you know, some of what Grace is saying, I think it's some of what's so fascinating about it is you look at 2014 was not that long ago. I mean, certainly it was a different time and it was long ago enough um, that there was like a different cultural response to mm-hmm. like trans issues and the way we kind of talked about that kind of stuff. And in one sense, I think like maybe it's a little it does feel more dated than that. But then you imagine that the, the story is written in the 50s. And in that way, it feels progressive. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. In the way that like it is talking about this issue that is something that was very taboo and not used in like or spoken about and and certainly like existing within pop culture of that right. time and era right or you have to put the asterisks here i think to a degree but i do think right, right. you know once you like um go to the actual narrative of it all it's it's pretty you know fascinating story in terms mm-hmm. of the exploration of identity i mean as like a cis male i can relate to parts of Jane and John and the bartender and the fizzle bomber story just through the sheer act of aging Ariel and the way that like mm-hmm. over decades we change right like change is inherent it's like if you are not changing you are dead and metamorphosis is like a very real aspect of the human experience as you endure yeah. across the age and like in that way the way that um you know the experiences that that Jane and John is is undergoing drives them to these different perspectives that they hold but i really love the kind of ethan hawk reflection back on it all mm-hmm. of like oh i'm going to cause them so much pain like i know this thing i'm going to do is just going to cause them untold pain but like i have to do it this is what i'm going to do this is what's going to get me here right and then the idea that there is yet this future version of himself that has caused him so much pain right mm-hmm. um and that like he just can't get around and they'll drive to this ultimate confrontation the name of the short story all you zombies is something that like old ethan hawk the bomber hawk throws at the bartender when they beat in the laundromat at the end mm-hmm. and he's like the rest of them are all just zombies you're the only one who understands right mm-hmm. and and the like the idea of why he he metamorphosizes this final time into the terrorist that he has been hunting this whole time is that the fizzle bomber is kind of the catalyst 
to drive the American government to create this time travel agency, which creates his existence. He could not conceivably exist if not for the fact that he existed and became the Fizzlebaum Ariel. So the paradox like layers so much on top of itself. It's a less convoluted line than the kind of visual diagram we looked at for primer which mm -hmm. is like insanely complicated right, but right. it still just like circles back on itself so many times yeah right? it's like it doesn't i feel like it wouldn't look very complicated if you're looking at it but as far right. as like construction of it it's very dense and like incredibly uh focal on one <laughs> or two specific points it's so well, like for me, and I don't even know if this tracks as far as the logic of the movie, because I, uh, I'm not sure at what point it's like confirmed that like she, you know, at, at, this is still at the point where we're like being told certain facts before we get the full picture. But like, uh, she, Jane now knows that she at some point Jane learns that like she's her own child. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I think at the point where where Ethan Hawke is talking to uh, is talking to Jane's character after Jane now identifies as a man. I thought the reveal was going to be that he was the son, and I don't I don't even think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But like I thought that it was going to be less that they were all the same person and more that like he is this child that yep that uh that jane had because i thought that would be compelling but this is like this is so it in a way it's ridiculous but like it's the best kind of ridiculous like sci-fi ridiculous is just so much better and to your point a little bit about ethan hawk as the older man i think in general or ethan hawk as like the older version of himself ethan hawk in general just gives like great like uh snarky face like uh yes. uh kind of um somewhere between completely baffled and like just tickled like there's something about his his uh, either his disbelief or his his inability to grasp certain things that he is able to convey very well and i think that's like one of his best uh best like acting qualities He's a tremendous actor that I feel like doesn't get enough accolades amidst like a field of his contemporaries. The guy just so often shows up and gives a, a tremendous performance. There's a like casualness and a kind of comfort that, that I feel yes. like you find in him in all of his roles. And it was like leaping off the screen in this. I love, you know, all of the wardrobe choices too. I mean, like a lot of the cinematography is great. Some of the sound design is really cool. The way the time travel itself works, like every time they move the way they're there's like this disruption in the room and everything kind of bursts away. It feels and like so tangible and real. And right? It's so simple, like yeah, very tangible I, and real. I agree, but just like so simple nothing like no electricity, no like nope. uh, bells and whistles, just like very kind of everyday. It's no big crazy those, thing. You know, they just set the, the numbers on their violin case. But I, I just love his whole <laughs> look once he comes back to the 70s with the vest and the, the shirt. He's got the mustache, Ariel. Like, it, mm -hmm. I just, I love it. And the, 
just the pairing of these two together. I mean, I keep talking about it, but to me, like the, the like ultimate scene of this movie and it kind of lives or dies on that first meeting in the bar as John's going to come in with this chip on his shoulder, all pissed off and start talking about the unmarried mother articles and Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. and they're playing pool. And like, there's a camaraderie there, but this friction between them and this kind of like tension boiling the whole time. And I, I just love it. Uh, and, and, to your point, you know, the first time I saw it, I had a very similar kind of train of thought where I'm like, oh, this is going to be the kid. I see what mm-hmm. you're doing, predestination. You're not mm-hmm. that clever. And then I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, you are maybe that clever. <laughs> because I wasn't the only I mean, I think the um, there was somebody who wrote on the discord like, it, you know, the the Ethan Hawke being the the fizzle bombers like telegraphed pretty early and mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it doesn't bother me at all because of the, because the ultimate reveal still gets me. Like I'm so busy trying to figure out the other things mm-hmm. like him being the child uh, or, you know, that I don't, you don't even consider that possibility. It's just, it's wild. It's, it's incredible. Like I'm really, I'm really happy that I watched it. It's so it's so wild. And again, I'm kind of like shocked that I've never, that I've never even heard of this movie. It feels like it kind of came out of, like it fell out of time and it fell mm-hmm. into our dimension and it kind of wasn't around before. Um, it definitely yeah, like blipped past me in its time. It was not a film that like I heard a lot about. I had one specific friend that knows I love a good time travel flick. And they just kind of asked me one night we were hanging out gaming and they're like, hey, have you ever seen Predestination? Uh, and I was like, no, they were like, OK, you really need to check this out. It was really the only thing I was tracking Sarah Snook on. It's the only like real property I feel mm-hmm. like I saw her on prior to Succession. Um, and I think that she's got like a big task and and a kind of tough role to fill um to grace's point like you know her playing both parts is like maybe not ideal but i do think that she really like owns both those roles well i remember kind of um watching the film the first time and realizing like oh okay this person is the same person this is incredible they're doing a great job like in both those roles um i think it was ryan in the discord who was talking about it felt pretty telegraphed that that uh the bartender was was the fizzle bomber but the reveal that john and jane are the bartender is a real like shocker and i think part of the reason is again because this scene this first meeting scene in the bar it like knocks you off kilter from the intro aerial like as you're trying to like refocus back like but wait a minute this is a time travel movie, is it? What happened to that guy that got his face taken off, right? Um, even like, why is Ethan Hawke here? Why are we talking to this random patron? What why is do happening? I care? Well, yeah, yeah, like, and clearly at that point, I'm thinking, okay, it has something to do with the fizzle bomber. And like, it's a lead that he's following because now he sat down with this person. Like, there's no way this person isn't important somehow because Ethan Hawke could have missed uh, the real person coming in or whoever. But like, even as we're talking about it now, like, it's weird to think like even in my head, be, I think it's that part of it is like there. I know that they're two distinct people in real life, but like it's hard. I, I'm forgetting that they are the same character yeah. basically, like in different at different points in their life. And but I agree with you completely. I didn't want to lose this thread of like the scenes where where Sarah Snook is playing against herself are just really compelling and just 
she did such a great job of of bringing these characters to life or bringing this character in two different ways to life in a way that feels so distinct from each other and is like really like capital a acting um mm-hmm. it's it's wild like those scenes where they're where where they're sitting together it's it, it it's ridiculous <laughs> frankly it's so crazy like i'm sitting here thinking about it and the camera you know there's like camera tricks and they're they're, they're literally not sitting right next to each other uh because it's the same actor but it just it looks so there's there's a lot of moments in this movie where like the camera is kind of aimed down or up in a way that's meant to obviously obfuscate something in the frame or like you know tell make you suspicious of something or make you or or leave out of a key piece of information and i think by the time they're sitting across from each other and the character knows that they're the same person it kind of doesn't matter that the camera's wonky because you're yep. just so taken aback that these conversations are even happening and like the time space continuum isn't uh isn't completely completely shutting down this i love the scene again of like ethan hawk uh at the end in the laundromat speaking to old ethan hawk it was giving very like Jonas stranger or Jonas again Jonas against the stranger or Jonas against adam conversation where there's oh, yeah. where he's like i'm just i'm never gonna become you you know there's no way that that i would ever do all the things you did i don't want to become a disgusting raisin uh, uh, really, I know that uh, Grace definitely was delighted that the gun did go off in that final scene. This was no, no, please, please. Oh no, I, I mean, I just was going to say that. Uh, you know, I thought like i'm with you you know they're using such classic kind of film techniques to hide the man that that jane meets right and like Mm -hmm. it opens alongside this kind of line that ethan hawk is giving like what would you do how much would you give if i could bring you to that man that ruined your life if i could bring you to the person that has destroyed your life what would you be willing to do would you go all the way that's kind of the um the hook that he will use as the bartender to convince john like we're going to go back and he's presumably Mm -hmm. sending John back to go kill himself, to kill the man that's going to have this like one night stand, this singular affair with Jane and leave her pregnant and alone and high and dry. But to the whole, like Sarah Snook acting against herself, I think the character of Jane and in that first story, as we get Jane's life, there's such desperate isolation there. She feels so apart. She feels separate. And there's a point later where we're like, she'll attack herself over that. Like you do think you're smarter than everybody else. You think you're better than everybody else. You think you're worth more. You think you're of higher value. And that's part of where this isolation comes from. But part of it is also this kind of like singular position that she is in and that they are in of like being raised in an orphanage and not quite fitting. Mm -hmm. And like the gender dynamics that we're talking about and the way that that is not something that's even aware to this young woman at the time that she's confronting it which feels again like just relatable as a human being who's always trying to like struggle with these invisible emotions that don't mm-hmm. always make themselves so easy to read right and there's such just desperation for companionship the idea that the only person that she ever really feels connected to is this older iteration of herself as john and that yeah. when john comes back and he realizes 
that now he is the man in that spot that mm. he still plays out the part for the same reason. And it's not because of like the motivations we get for Adam or for Ava, there is mm -hmm. not some grand design of like, we have to have the child, the plot must go through. That's old mm -hmm. Ethan Hawke. That's yeah, why yeah. the bartender brings him there. But it's just that same desperate need for like connection, right? And love. Mm -hmm. And he realizes the second that like she turns and says to him and they exchange the Abraham Lincoln quote, like, oh, I'm done. I'm just done. You, there is an emotional reaction in the same way we talk about all the time with dark, regardless mm -hmm. of the logic that yeah. this man, John has in the moment, he cannot help but to play his part exactly in the way that like Adam told us so many times, you are going to do the same thing every time. Not because like, you know, you have to, but because like emotionally, you just can't respond any other way. You You're will be like pulled to. into this orbit every single time and create yourself to set yourself on this journey chasing yourself yeah no it's it, it's wild and it's such a good point about the the adam stuff because i was thinking about that as well of the the willing and what you want to do you know the willing what you want mm -hmm. versus like willing what you will and all that stuff and like the idea that and this is something that that dumbledore tries to explain to harry at yes, some point in the story dude. and yes. like it, as i'm thinking about it now like there was always a part of me that was like I'm hearing your words, Dumbledore, and I kind of understand, but like I don't understand. And like th that is what Dark does really well. And like the points where, like you said, when uh when when like Jane says the quote, and then John turns around and it's like, oh wait, this is actually even though being even though I've been on the other side of it, like this is I'm compelled. Like I am just genuinely compelled by like my emotion. And then the, but the real time I thought of it was when uh, Ethan Hawke's character later on in the timeline kills the older person. And you're kind of, uh, the, the eldest uh, Ethan Hawke is kind of like, you know, you're supposed to kill me, but you may not. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. We haven't, we mm -hmm. haven't really like lived in that reality, which is again, very dark. But like the idea, the look on Ethan Hawke's face when he's like shooting that older version of himself so many times is when that like thing crystallized for me of like, Oh yeah, this is what Dumbledore was talking about. Like, it's not that he did it because he knew he had to preserve the time or all like all that stuff goes out the window. It's just like, I hate you. I'm going to kill yeah, you. Like, if anything, the fact that I'm supposed to just makes it easier, but like, I really want to, I'm only doing it because I want to. It's so, it's so wonderful. I love it's I a visceral that. reaction, you know, it's Jonas, like, I'm sick of all this shit, you know, mm -hmm. um, he just like, he can't help but do it. And I love that beat. And then again, like the, you know, the, the kind of way that it plays with at the end. The idea is Roberts is like a bit of a rogue too. like mm. all of this. Roberts is pushing Ethan Hawke in the scene where he's going to meet the bartender there in the nursery. And, and mm. Ethan Hawke's going to snatch baby Jane to go bring back in time to leave at the orphanage. He's like, you know, this is going to cause so much pain. And Roberts is like egging them on. You're the only one that could do this. Like you have this job. And then he's going to take the time travel device and go retire in the 70s right before the fizzle bomber kills 10,000 people in 
New York, but the device does not commission, right? Uh, like Robert sends him with the violin case, but the violin case doesn't shut off, which facilitates like in the beginning, it's a very small note where, mm-hmm. where, you know, the, like John's face gets burned and he gets the mm-hmm. reconstructive surgery to turn him into Ethan Hawke because he's trying to stop the fizzle bomber from this big detonation and he can't. And they say he keeps moving his date. The date changes and the date's changing because like he's reacting to himself over and over again. Yeah. And both versions. Right. Yes. I had forgotten the that device, detail. That the date right. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's yeah. just so much small granular stuff in there that works. Like the idea of the other 11 agents, I really find so interesting and compelling mm-hmm. of like John at different points in his life. He's leaving these tapes for himself too. Right. Yeah. Um, like Ethan Hawke leaving these recordings and it's like, it, you know, it has a lot of, I think echoes to other cool time travel movies that I'm sure we love. I know we mentioned 12 monkeys and like mm-hmm. talking through everything and like the slow kind of mental degeneration over time, like the delusions taking root. Like it's a lot, it's a harrowing experience, but you know, I think uh, for me, it just struck me as a really impressive story that was well told. And um, I just was always left with this lingering sentiment of like, but I don't know if this is like fundamentally problematic or not because of this matter right, of agency right. and like the yeah. operation and all of it that happens there. And that's why yeah. I picked it for us to tackle. But it felt also like there was just so much that it shares with the elements mm-hmm. of dark that we loved. Like as I watched dark for the the first time i thought about this movie constantly when we get the elizabeth reveal i'm yeah, thinking yeah, of right, sarah snook and ethan hawk right um and and it really informed my kind of viewing of the show when it when it finally came out yeah this uh this detail about the the other agents like whether it was like we are one i am one of 11 or we there are 11 others it kind of doesn't matter uh the idea that there are more it's kind it's kind of like a hanging thread that i think you could have a really good some people would say bad but a really good time exploring in your head and i'm sure there are all kinds of theories out there a la like the the guy in primer who they discover somehow found out about the their boss Mm -hmm. basically who somehow found out about the time travel and they're like not exactly sure how that happened um and the movie doesn't address it but you know it's like so we spoke about at the time like how fascinated i am by that and like in a way i think it's actually a a feature of the film not a bug um but uh yeah this it's it's wild also i realized this i had this thought while watching the movie there's this very famous 1962 black and white movie with betty davis and joan crawford called whatever happened to baby jane Oh yeah, I, for sure. I think, I think now we know. <laughs> I think we it's know exactly what happened, been, baby Jane. It's finally been, uh, uh, finally it's, been revealed. It, it always reminded me a bit too of Minority Report, which is like a weird kind of time travel movie that I feel like I should like more than I do. I think it's a little mm-hmm. like clumsy at its execution at certain points, and this felt to me like almost a much more interesting version of that kind mm-hmm. of story because they're time cops, right? That's like okay. the whole thing. That's what Robertson is like so excited about of like, oh, we're stopping crime before it happens. You saved countless lives. That's what uh, the fizzle bomber is like ranting about as he breaks yeah. out his like Claudia journal at the end, you know, and is like, look, 
look, look at all this, these things that have stopped. Look, I saved thousands mm-hmm. of people here. We saved thousands of people there. And in like, that is so kind of ancillary to what's relevant about this story, which is actually like the emotional core of this person as they're in these different phases of their lives and like driven to perform these different roles. The whole like, space force of it all it's that's like definitely a bit problematic as well but it is pretty like wild and kind of yeah like you will be you will be a space concubine for yeah i was like what i was like i went to google now i'm remembering i went to google is this real (laughs) like at one point in history i can totally see male like males sitting in a room being like we need women in space, <laughs> like in the 70s, whatever that time period was, or they're talking about. I mean, you know, not even that long ago, but you know, it's like unfortunately something that like probably somebody would have thought of, and hopefully somebody more uh, intelligent would be like, "That's a terrible idea." Yeah, um, I mean, growing up as somebody with a lot of people in like the airline industry, I hate to say, but it, it felt very like evocative of the way like stewardesses are treated at the time, and like, yes, yes, the inception the pilots, of, like the airline the agencies, yeah, yeah. and it was also like a little bit of like almost like uh, God like you know like the x-rated version of gattaca or something like that you know what i mean like a real like parody there um like there's all these it's just got all these kind of like resonant vibes that that make me think of other films that i love and Mm -hmm. maybe don't love and i think that it's just at the end of the day it's a very fascinating story to me and i do think the film is really well executed right um like Mm -hmm. regardless of like the many issues that we can see in terms of the narrative itself being like an elegant or problematic like Mm -hmm. you've got a couple of great actors performing like really fun roles and it's a really to go back to what you said at the top ariel it's a really like efficiently told story and it felt like it was innovative in the way that it was constructed like i've not seen a lot of other even time travel movies that approach the narrative in the way this did and so for that Mm -hmm. reason it stood out and especially because i wanted to get uh your takes and graces it felt worthwhile for us to tackle here so I'm glad that you mostly enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. I'm really happy that uh, that you chose it and that we got to talk through it. It's I will never forget it. I mean, I I guess time travel us like if if time travel is invented and somehow they find a way to like mess with my memory, I might forget it. But uh, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Um, but I am not going to forget our big reveal. Finally, people have sat through three movies and they're like, oh, what are you covering next? Are you even covering anything? Is it all just a scam and you're just covering yourselves next? I don't know. I was trying to do like the predestination version of what we're covering. Uh, Rich, what is this show there? Oh, God, it's a show. Did I reveal too much? It's a show. (laughs) It's a show. We're going to talk about a show. It's a show on TV. And there's episodes, uh-huh. more than one. Wow. Um, you know, we're the travelers. And so we've obviously mm-hmm. been talking about these time travel movies. But I think that part of, like, our agenda here is that we want to kind of, like, take things out of the dark, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We picked some, like, pretty esoteric time travel movies that not a lot of folks have seen. We didn't uh, pick the Christopher Nolan blockbuster Tenet. And we <laughs> went instead for other much smaller properties. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Golden, following... Golden Globe winning film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So following in that trend, we're going to go for a show that I think like dark is really exceptionally crafted. There was a lot of like care and attention to detail and love kind of put into the production of it. I think you have some really extraordinary performances, but it's a show on a streaming service that I don't think a lot of people have watched Ariel. Uh, Mm -hmm. It premiered like in the midst of the first wave of the COVID lockdowns, like right on the cusp of the kind of COVID pandemic, like surging and it is very melancholy in the way that dark emotionally leaves us in this somber kind of depressive state oftentimes this show will likely do the same so i think it was like ill-timed in terms of its release people were not yeah. looking for melancholy vibes in the uh-huh. spring of yeah if, if they had to do it over again perhaps they might have sat on it the way people are now sitting on uh stuff with the uh with the strike of it all um, i not say those things are the true. same but but i think you you understand what i mean yeah i've never seen this i'm super excited it's um it's on uh amazon prime as you have already said i'm really excited because it's especially because it's contained right it's eight episodes and that's it right i mean as far as we know there it are no, is it is there, a there's no more loop season. we went we went around the loop already in eight episodes. Indeed. We love loops over here mm-hmm. in uh, in our mm-hmm. dark bubble. We constantly are talking about loops and threads. Um, and folks who have like heard me do uh, like role-playing game projects over here at PSR will recognize the name of this show because it is the name of the tabletop role-playing game that I ran in one of my first appearances here on Post Show Recaps for the Stranger Things podcast with Josh mm-hmm. Wiggler and Mike Bloom. We're going to watch mm-hmm. Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. And Tales from the Loop is really fascinating, Ariel in the way that like it has its origin there is a swedish artist so already we're almost in germany we're kind mm. of up there in like, like uh, yeah. uh, western europe right i know geography uh, that totally tracks yeah it's basically the same right europeans so simon stalinhog was an artist he's a he's a contemporary artist he did still images and his theme and his motif for many years was to draw illustrations of the 80s that never was it is a um, it's a retro sci-fi like speculative just painter that's mm. all the guy did was create still images of kids in like 80s clothes with a station wagon in a field with mm. gigantic robots mm. or hovering space freighters uh the 80s that never was are really a kind of like fascinating idea i think the 80s are such a huge time period and dark that we talk about that it fits pretty well but it's a really interesting show you get a couple of great actors in it the score is done by Phil glass uh there's like a lot i I think you told me that but i had conveniently forgotten and that's very exciting to me there is a lot of like prestige elements to this show i think that it is meticulously crafted i think it's a really quiet pensive kind of philosophical uh uh, show it is Mm. just eight episodes and one season sitting over there on amazon prime and it will suit us perfectly to run the gambit until we get to our next project, which we will not reveal to you now, but rather in seven weeks time when we're ready. No. To talk. Have you, have you learned from us? Listen, Grace might blip back and be like, you absolutely should have told them what we're covering after that. But listen, I'm not Grace. Okay. She's going to have to come back and do it herself. Uh, but we will be back next week talking about tales from the loop episodes one 
and two. We're going to do a double premiere. Or what are we, a streaming service? We're going to do a double premiere. It's very exciting. Um, so, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. I feel like that's it, right? There's nothing else to... That's all we need to say. It's on reveal. Amazon Prime. It's Tales from the Loop. It's not quite an anthology, but you'll find each story as each episode mm -hmm. is like a really strong individual theme and it's kind of mm -hmm. like focused approach. Um, some some fun actors showing up in there. You get some Game of Thrones alumni turning up. The Philip Glass score is excellent. It is stunning. I can't wait depiction of stalin hogs art i just always find it so fascinating that this guy who was a still image artist ariel his pictures were so powerful uh when i say like magic is real this is what i'm talking about this guy started painting he put his paintings out on the internet people fell in love we created a tabletop role-playing game for it somebody went out and, and made a television are. show uh, and here we are now we're going to talk through it we were going to do one episode a week but we obviously got delayed a week here but it lines us up perfectly perfectly for our next project which we will not reveal to you now so it'll be seven weeks of <laughs> we're the worst we're the worst but yes seven weeks of tales in the loop uh in the meantime rich what else have you got going on oh my gosh so much stuff hit me up i'm at dm philly on twitter my dms are open if you want to talk to me about anything at all you can i'm streaming dnd over at twitch.tv slash dm philly i am talking about ahsoka with the star wars crew i am leading yeah. the charge at the road to tarm and Gaiden as we are talking about the wheel of time season two also airing on amazon prime it's good you guys i'm so happy uh i heard night, it's been fun ariel i'm like loving life I, mm. i'm i'm uh, high on the hog over here talking yeah, about yeah. the wheel of time <laughs> we're wrapping up uh the the finale episode of season two of foundation is coming and that's also been awesome i'm talking about the winter king with my friend prez a new series over on mgm plus so i'm doing plenty and i'll be back with you next week what are you doing though incredible uh i am covering movies with grace as always on pusher recaps theater uh covering let's see our after party coverage is over we're covering sex education myself Ooh. uh jess sterling and adam h that is just getting started for the premiere next week also covering the morning show with grace apple tv plus a show that i really enjoy and that so far i mean i don't want to jinx it but i was like i think season three is gonna get its groove back and so far it's been pretty groovy uh and i think that's everything i'm on twitter at that other ariel yes i'm still calling it twitter yeah until next week there'll be three of us i promise ultimate fist bump ultimate fist bump <laughs>